Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for this opportunity to present our work here. Um, if you look at the agricultural sector in India, Indian farms are among the smallest in the world. The average size of an Indian farm is about 1.1 hectares. This is actually a reduction from about 1.3 hectares per family in about 2000-2001. So a key takeaway in this book that we look at is the commercialization and diversification of small farms are essential for income and supply growth. Now, we heard Andalip talk about change in demand uh, of, um, towards a more higher value agriculture and more higher value foods. So this <laughs> has created an opportunity and has also brought about challenges for this small farm-dominated agricultural sector. Now, what are the opportunities? The opportunities are uh, in terms of access to newer forms of markets and marketing chains, which will allow for income growth. However, what are the challenges? The challenges are largely related to economies of scale in terms of accessing uh, credit, inputs, technology, and other forms of markets, and also in forms of transaction costs, higher transaction costs in accessing newer markets. And we also see that um, women are especially disadvantaged in accessing markets and accessing resources. So one key feature in this book that we talk about is how can small farm aggregation models help in an, uh, an increasing production diversity and production growth. Now, what do we mean by aggregation models? Aggregation models are uh, models by which farmers can come together, access markets and inputs jointly, and uh, uh, cooperatives and farmer producer organizations are good examples of aggregation models in India. However, the effects of aggregation models in India will not be uniform across regions. In more aggregate cultural-led states which benefited from the Green Revolution, what we are going to see is that aggregation models will help in linking farms to higher value agricultural uh, higher value value chains, primarily because uh, infrastructure and opportunity is already available. In lagging states, however, the focus has to be on traditional constraints of accessing credit quality inputs such as seeds and also trying to reduce transaction costs in accessing traditional markets. So this will be the difference in, or differences in the roles in institutions such as aggregation models. And it's crucial that we see uh, the differential roles in different states of India. Now, India will become the most populous country in the world by 2030. And technology is going to play a crucial role in feeding India. And you know, and addressing the problem of hunger and malnutrition. So another key takeaway from this book, which is discussed in chapter nine, is enhancing smallholder productivity and competitiveness requires moving beyond staple grain uh, technologies. Now, Anika spoke about Green Revolution 2.0. The salient features of gr the Green Revolution 2.0 would be to enhance diversity, nutritional quality, and also resilience of crops. Now, if you look here, you can see uh, that in the post-green revolution phase, the changes in yields of different crops. And if you look at uh, wheat and rice, we see an exponential growth in, in yields. But if you look at coarse grains and pulses, uh, we see the yields have been largely stagnant. Take the example of pulses. India is the largest producer and consumer of pulses in the world. Yet, when it comes to yield, it's one of the lowest. 
and closing these yield gaps will become extremely important in India. Similarly, um, technology has to be accessible to everybody. And a good example in this front is uh, the example of cotton. BT cotton was introduced in India in the year 2000. And we can actually see the sudden jump in the yields of BT cotton since the year it was introduced. And uh, we see India going from being the third largest producer of cotton in the world to the second largest producer of cotton in the world. Another key component of technology and technology interventions is going to be improving resilience of crops. Now, in the wake of climate change and uh, uh, increased instances of drought and floods and increased unpredictability and risk, what we need is we need crops that are resilient drought-resistant crops, flood-resistant crops, heat-resistant crops. So another key takeaway in this book is that climate change will have significant ad and adverse impacts on rural welfare and nutrition. And again, the story is that not all states will be affected uh, uniformly. It's the lagging states where non-staple crops that are important to the poor, such as millets and pulses, that will be most severely affected because these are also grown in more semi-arid kind of regions. What you might also see is that these crops being moved away from these regions into agriculture-led states where the risks might be lower. And again, there, is, there are going to be changing geog uh, geographies for disease vectors as well. And again, we are going to see that women and children will be more adversely affected by this. And this is especially so when resource constraints happen, the burden falls on women. When disease burdens increase, the women are the primary caretakers of children in the household. So there's going to be a disproportionate impact on women and children as a result of this. So what we talk about in the book is a technology plus approach towards adaptation and mitigation. So what we see is that the energy sector currently is the largest uh, emitter in India. But as we see the diversification and changes in the agricultural sector, and especially with population growth and the need for productivity increases, we might also see an increase of emissions from the agricultural sector. But what we need is uh, state-specific policies and, adapt uh, and adaptation uh, tools in order to mitigate this, because different states of India with different geographical and agroclimatic zones will be affected very differently. What we also see is that uh, consumer awareness on climate change has been changing, but the private sector participation in this, these eff uh, efforts have been quite low. And so what we really need is a technology plus approach where we spoke about technology in terms of uh, you know, resilient crops, but also conservation and community-based action in order to address larger issues of climate change. Now I'll hand it over to Prabhu for the concluding remarks. Thank you.